Greetings and welcome to a Simmer and Gabby podcast. Rob Simpson along with Bruce Boudreaux. Pleasure to be here for VancouverHockeyInsider.com, SeattleHockeyInsider.com. Bruce, how the heck are you in 2024? Hey, it's a new year. I still feel young, so it's all good. Very nice. You just came from a Hershey Cubs junior game. How did it go? Yeah, well, our, our Cubs are doing okay this year and uh, they won 4-3 last, this, this afternoon and so swept a, a weekend series against a team from Buffalo. So uh, they're solidly in third place, and uh, that's uh, it's a good season for them. Very nice. Um, I have to bring up, unfortunately, the Spangler Cup. Now, I wasn't watching it. You were coaching Team Canada in Davos, Switzerland, over the holidays. I was following it, couldn't watch it, but you were up 3-1 in the third period. I'm like, oh, they got this. Gabby's going to the final. Suddenly I click back, bang, 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 4-3 loss. What the hell happened? <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up like that. <laughs> uh, actually, we were. We were actually playing a very good third period. Get it out, get it out. Then we took a penalty for, like, we had seven um, left-handed defensemen. Ooh. And it was on the right side, and the defenseman grabbed it, and he shot it over the glass for one of those penalties. And uh, then um, they they made it three to two on the power play, yep. and you're thinking, okay, there's still there's under five minutes, and and they got a, a what I thought was a pretty fluky goal with about a minute and a half to go in the game to tie it, and I'm saying, okay, let's just take this to overtime. We will win it in overtime. We will regroup and everything. So I had my best defensive players out there. And uh, just a long, it was a clear in from the uh, from the point, basically, where the guy's just throwing it at the net. And it hit one of their guy's sticks in midair and went between his legs with 38 seconds to go. And you went, oh, my goodness, what's just happened here? So <laughs> it was uh, pretty frustrating, um, but a great experience. And nonetheless, uh, it would have been nice to win that game. I don't know if our our chances would have been good the next day because this was a started at eight fifteen um local time, ended around eleven o'clock. And the game was the next day at noon. And it would have been our fourth game in four nights. Right. So I mean, uh it was bad enough that game, by the way, just you know, I'm to make my little excuses here, we got three guys injured during that game. And um two of them were our uh, two of our best three defensive players. So in the last five minutes and penalty killers, it became a little uh, probably double shifting a little bit of, of too many people. Cause the one thing about the Spangler cup, when you go over there, I don't know any of the players. So right. we have one practice and then you're learning by um, osmosis, <laughs> you know, getting there, but the experience itself, fabulous. The fan reaction um of seven thousand people just standing up and singing and screaming the whole game great the little town of davos was super and um i mean right in the middle of of like i mean we look out our hotel window and i mean the ski slopes are right there they're they're landing um at the foot of the hotel so right. it was a it was a really great experience and to be able to put on the the canada jersey or to be Part of Team Canada was really special. Of all the things that I've done, it'll be it'll go down as one of the more special things. 
Very cool. Uh, and just for fans that are unfamiliar, and many aren't, even hardcore NHL fans aren't, Spangler Cup is basically a senior, of an elite level senior men's tournament, considered amateur. Um, although during, I believe, one of the lockouts, we had the likes of Patrice Bergeron and others over there winning a Spangler Cup for Canada. But yeah, but but one of the elite men's senior tournaments during the holiday it goes back decades. It's in beautiful Davos. Hundred years it goes back. Yeah, I mean that's amazing how long this tournament has gone on. I think Canada has been involved since about 1985. Um, but the, the tournament itself is it's on all TV in Europe. It's a huge club tournament. Um, if the World Juniors weren't going on at the same time, it would be it would be the one everybody's talking about. So it's a pretty pretty cool deal. Well, you did very well, and you had the fluky finish, and it was it part part. I don't know how to pronounce it. Always never get that one right. Part abuse, part abuse. Who you part abuse, part abuche. Part abuche. Uh, I just called partridge tree because uh, <laughs> I didn't. I couldn't. Uh, pronounce it either that's the hockey club that you lost to you did better than the other former vancouver coach travis green greener didn't win a game last year over the spengler so and he now he's well, assistant with the and that was a goal of mine i did not want to go down there and not not win a game and uh, you won uh, two right we won two we won the first game four nothing we lost the second game this is the craziest thing that happened in the second game we lost four three two and again we were winning three one in the third period Oh. The goalies, unbeknownst to me, even changed on the fly. One had cramps. He came to the bench. The other guy went on. The play was down at the other end. And I didn't even know they changed. Go we changed goalies till the next morning. Wow. It was crazy. <laughs> I mean, I said, are you kidding me? Uh, Arendelle was in for, for the last two goals. And they said, yes. And I said, I didn't even know he was in the net. <laughs> wow. Changed on the fly. Yeah. Well, that's the play was down at the other end. That's the goalie had cramps. Anyway. Wow. All right. Um, let's jump in. Well, since we brought up the Canucks and coaching the Canucks, um, we'll, we'll get to our favorite. By the way, our favorite number this week is going to be number one. But we'll we'll wait on that a little bit. Let's get into uh, Vancouver. They're the top team right now in the Pacific Division. They've shown signs. They're starting to give up goals here and there in bunches. They held off a beat-up New Jersey team 6-4. to four. The other night and um what do we think about uh, what you've seen lately well i this is what i think like i mean i didn't realize vancouver um jersey had so many guys out but i mean uh, i thought vancouver swarmed all over them and i mean i was a little worried at the end of the first period i think they had a one goal lead but they they had completely outplayed them and they should have had that's when you have a, you need to get a two or three goal lead um to feel comfortable but i think this trip is I think they have four more games on the road or three more. It's I think they're well, it's seven in seven total. Okay, so they have the they Islanders. Got five, they got five more. They have the Islanders, the Rangers that I know of, um, and then after that, I I really haven't followed the schedule that tight. But I think this is, will show what they're really made of, mm -hmm. as far as um, the 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 team that I I think they are. I mean, they've got. You know, their good players finally got back on track, I think. When I say they're good players, I mean they're star players. I mean, right. uh, they've been getting great, uh, I think, great efforts from the, the guys, the bottom six, and the, who are scoring goals. And and it was um, Pedersen scored two the other night, and Miller got a couple. And, I mean, they hadn't done that in a while. But 
those guys will if they they keep going demko is going to be great like i mean there's no doubt in my mind casey DeSmith has been really good this year yep. so you get good goaltending and you get your star players playing the way they can and quinn hughes uh continuing with his norris trophy type season I think they should be up there the whole way, but I will say this, and I'm not saying this with any negativism, is that uh, uh, I look at Edmonton as uh, crawling really quickly up there, and uh, I think L.A. and Vegas will get their stuff together, and they will be coming back, and I think it's going to be... And and then I look at the Kraken that have gotten points in 9 or 10 straight. I don't know ten, the number. Ten. Uh if they continue doing that, there's going to be a five-team, uh, a five-team rush. Like at the end, like and this is why this road trip for Vancouver is so important. If they can keep their head above water on this road trip, I think they'll be fine. But if all of a sudden they go into a, a little bit of a slump, like a lot of teams have, Vegas. you know, yeah, like Vegas hand has an LA. I mean, they had lost, they've lost four in a row going into this afternoon's game. I think um, I think it would really tighten up the 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 Pacific. I mean, the biggest problem is when you're that far behind, like Edmonton was, and like Seattle has. You've got to keep that pace up, and yeah. that pace is really difficult to keep up for the whole season. I mean, yeah, they've got points in ten straight, but I mean, the the first time they lose, they'll realize, oh man, we haven't made that much ground. So. Uh, they got to keep it up, but if they do, it's going to be a heck of a race come down in uh, March and April. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. By the by, the way, Canucks are uh, they have the Rangers and Islanders back to back as you mentioned. Then a day off, then they're in Pittsburgh, then a day off, then they're in Buffalo, then a single day off again, and they're at the Columbus Blue Jackets before they return home. Um, speaking of the Kraken, eight zero and two in their last ten, six game winning streak, longest in franchise history. Here's an interesting thing about that lineup right now. They got some healthy bodies back. And for as much as we kept comparing last season to this season, not having Geeky, Sprong, or Donato around anymore and, and not getting the scoring from that bottom six like they were, that has suddenly changed because you have Pierre-Edward Belmar, who's more of a face-off guy, doesn't score much, out of the lineup with an injury. Ty Cartier, the kids, moved to the center position. You get Andre Burakovsky healthy. You get Jared, uh, you get Schwar Jaden Schwartz healthy, and it's this suddenly this depth thing is a little frightening for opponents because Dave Haxtell can roll lines. They're on a six-game road trip, and right now you got Jared McCann and Burakovsky back at he's back in the lineup on the fourth line, so defending that team kind of starts to look a little bit like last season again as it relates to him being able to roll out these roll the lines well i mean if you're rolling out mccann who scored 40 last year if i recall mm -hmm. and burakovsky who's been hurt along but he's got that talent he scored last night i think or the last game uh on the fourth line it's it is reason and it is cause for concern if you're another team and if the uh that goaltender continues to uh play like Ford. he has yep. it, and i mean which is out of the blue quite frankly and uh then they're going to be a factor and i mean when we're talking about vancouver again don't forget vancouver hasn't played la la yet i don't think they've played i think they played vegas once and they played seattle once 
and they they still have to play them, you know, multiple times. And uh, even Calgary's playing a lot better. So I mean, it's going to make the Pacific a really tough and probably as interesting a race as there is in the NHL. If anybody um, back east ever watches those guys late at night, they they will see some great hockey. Yeah, I was going to say they should be watching because it is the most interesting race. It is a very strong division, and there's some still some funky stuff going on. You mentioned Edmonton streaking. It, it's like they just took off and then had a setback again, and now it looks like they're they're taking off. It's just like a yeah. I mean, well, and that's what I was saying earlier. It is tough to continue without having a break. You've got to be so mentally focused for every game all the time, and. And when it, you have a setback, it's like taking two games off instead of one because there's usually, when you're in that position, there's so many teams ahead of you that when you drop one, it's like dropping four points instead of two. All right. Hey, one quick thought, thought on Joey Decord, and somebody asked me this in the dressing room after the game the other night in Seattle. And I was a great kid, North and Andover, Massachusetts. Love chatting with him. Great attitude. But – about 45 games of NHL experience. So you have to be cautious. And the first thing that comes to my head is Spencer Martin in Vancouver, because it was the second coming in the spring. Spencer Martin, oh, our problems are solved. And I remember writing, I'd be a little careful about this, you know, this being your savior come the fall and the winter if he gets thrust into a situation where your number one goes out. Guess what? That's what happened. And oof. Now, Let's give Decord the benefit of the doubt as it stands right now, but let's also remember we're talking about 45, 44, 45 games of NHL experience. So, Well, there's a big difference, and this is what happened to Spencer. There's a big difference between um, filling being in backup yeah. and coming in periodically, and then I think he's, he started his career in, in Vancouver by getting points in nine straight. Right. And being the man. Yep. And when you're the man, then the pressure seems to mount from all sides because you're the guy. And that's why goaltenders with experience are usually the number ones in the NHL. And anybody, you know, you've got that big uh, thrill of getting in there and playing but you know that when you're done, you usually have a couple games off. He's been the guy. So hopefully, you know, the, this is where you, you can make your bones. If he can do it, then, he, then he'll then he have a long career. If not, then we'll we'll see where he ends up. Yeah. I wish him nothing but the best, and I hope that's, I hope it just keeps yep. rolling for him. Absolutely. Been really, he has been, has been fantastic, and it's been, it's been really fun to watch. So let's see if that continues. Um, I want to get into a hot topic before we pick our one hot topic or semi-controversial, if you will, before we get uh -oh. to our, before we pick our number ones. Uh-oh, controversial. Kevin Bieksa, he, he calls out Nick Cousins on Hockey Night in Canada. Nick Cousins repeated hits from behind, hits and open ice, headshots, on and on and on. He brought up his old teammate, Rafi Torres, who got he mentioned he got a 26-game suspension at one point, a 41-game suspension. The way the game is now, enforcers are gone. No one's riding shotgun to protect you. A lot of the hits and are followed with fights that are unsubstantiated. Like what? It's like what the hell's going on? And now you got this guy running around. And we've seen a series of hits from behind lately. What do we do? Is it up to the league just to hand out these gigantic suspensions? Is that where is that where we're at? Boy, it seems to be. Uh, it's the one penalty 
in today's game that it seems that the players haven't caught on to it yet. They've caught on to the hooking. They don't hook anymore. They don't hold anymore. I mean, um, the game is – the hitting from behind came in at the same time as yeah. all these guys did. But that seems to be the one emotional aspect of the game where guys can't wrap their their head around the getting in there and seeing a body and, and, um, and hitting it. And so uh, I find it funny that Kevin talks like that too because, I mean uh, – uh, Kevin was no angel when he played. I will say this as much as I love the guy and I do, I got to like him an awful lot more when I wasn't coaching him. Uh, We became good friends, but I mean, he, he, he did, he did some stuff that was sort of borderline a lot of times, but usually in the protection of his teammates, which was a great thing with Kevin. Uh, But I mean, the hitting from behind, the other thing that, bothers me about that is players know a lot of times that they're getting hit from behind a lot of times and they know how to turn their body to try to draw the penalty because you never think you're going to get hurt and then and then it happens so it's really it's it's a tough call but I mean uh, um, I, I, I don't know how I wish I was smart enough to know how you could cure that in an emotional game like hockey right because things unless you are right at the Right on the on the ice level, I don't know if you you can't get it from TV, but I mean, it is so fast. Things happen so quick, unlike any other sport. I mean, it's so fast. Uh, you know, like I mean, in a quarter second, you can turn your body and you can get hit from behind, and so much damage can be done to the body. So, uh, I just uh, I'd like to say let's take it out, but I just don't think as long as you have boards. And you have corners of the rink that is ever going to be taken out. All right. I guess we can go back to Peewee and put little stop signs on the guy's back. <laughs> it doesn't seem to be working, though. They know that when the, the word is when you see the numbers on the back, you don't right. hit them, right? Right, right? That doesn't seem to be working. No. All right. Well, we'll, I'm sure we'll be hearing more about this down the road. By the way, before obviously, since we're picking our favorite number ones, they're going to be goalies. And real quick, as an aside, since I wrote about it today and Simmer's Sunday nine, Marc-Andre Fleury, crazy play yesterday. Pa- in the process of passing, process, process of passing, uh, our our boy Patrick Waugh for number two all-time in wins. You had, you didn't have him in Minnesota. You were gone by then, but you obviously had some major, when we had Sid the Kid versus the grade eight, Washington versus Pitt, you ran into this guy plenty. Too many times for my, con- for my liking. Um when he was younger, like the, the greatest thing about Mark Andre that uh, I, as a coach against him was his quickness. Cause he's not a big guy. And right. when he was younger, you could never beat him in a shootout. He was just too quick. But I mean, we had a, a real famous seven game series against Pittsburgh and they beat us in game seven and their goalie was better. He was better than our goalie in game seven. And they went on to win the cup and, uh, um, Remember Ted Leonsis telling me he didn't care when I first got there um, who we beat, how I coached, as long as we beat Pittsburgh. And uh, um, we did really good during the regular season. But, I mean, in the playoffs against them, uh, only the one time did we have success, and that's when they went on to win the Cup. But uh, uh, Marc-Andre was is, is a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer. 
from everything I've heard, an unbelievable uh, uh, teammate and and uh, and a, and a great uh, you know like he's a not only a great goaltender but I was uh, talking to was on another show the other day and they said what's your biggest peeve and I said it's uh, um, the lack of good Canadian goalies. Oh yeah, and he's almost the last of a dying breed. Like who's who's the best Canadian goalie? Is it Carter Hart? Like I mean, after Mark Andre Fleury, I mean, um, it's hard to find really good Canadian goalies. And we develop everybody fabulous in Canada, but I mean, goaltending has been a problem in recent years. Uh, by the way, who was your goalie when you lost that series? Who do, who were you cycling through at that point when you lost to the? I pen? think, and it's an interesting story. It was uh, Varlamov. Okay. I was going to say Varley. I thought it was maybe. Well, Varley. we had Varlamov and Theodore. Right. Shea, uh, not Shea Theodore, but you know the other, the other Theodore, the Montreal goalie. Um, Jose. Jose Theodore. Yeah. And we, I pulled. Varlamov had only played four games for us the whole year. He had come up, played four or five. And uh, we lost the first two games with Jose in that against the Rangers of the first series. So, I mean, I can't wait to game four to put in a rookie. I mean, if you're going to try something new, you got to try him in game three. Uh, well, you know, well, you can still put the, the, the big goalie back in. And so I put him in and uh, he was outstanding for the rest of the series. We beat the Rangers in seven and he was outstanding for the first four games in the Pittsburgh series. And he, <clears throat> he started to see a little bit cracks in his armor in game five, game six. I think we won six to five. And then in game seven, and this is why I'm talking about when other teams, it's so hard to stay mentally focused for a long period of time when you're not used to it, whether it's Joey Decord or whether it's any team in general, but game seven. Um, and I didn't want to pull him, but we had to pull him. He just couldn't stop anything. And the last thing I wanted to put with was, was uh, uh, Jose back in the net only because, I mean, he's a veterans won the MVP and everything else. It was just sort of a, a bad shot. And I told him, I'm sorry, but you have to go in because the other guy can't, can't stop anything. And matter of fact, it was a Billy Garen slap shot from outside the blue line that that did it for me. And uh, I mean, I know Theodore wasn't happy to go in at all. And he was he gave me that stare like, I'll kill you for this. But uh, and I, I actually don't blame him because it was the last I was sort of taking a first year player over a uh, former NHL Hart Trophy winner. So it was um it was a tough call but that's what you have you have to do what you have to do when you're coaching like i mean there's things that believe me people don't understand i don't want to do it coaches don't want to do things but you have to do what's right for the team right we saw something similar to that in 2018 when the caps actually won the cup and the current crack and injured number 1 uh philip grubauer was the man closing out the regular season to the point where they um, started him in the first two games of the playoffs and he absolutely melted down and it allowed Holtby to come back into the lineup start and carry him all the way to the Stanley Cup. 100% true. Yeah. It's crazy. All right. Goalies, here we go. Your favorite number one. Now you said you know who it is. I will not change my mind. What? You want me to tell you? Yeah. 
It's got to be Johnny Bauer. You're 100% correct. There you You're go. Smarter than the average bear. Sure. Listen, Johnny Bauer, um, A, first of all, might have been the nicest guy I ever met. Great and, guy. Uh, um, you know, when he was retired, he uh, was the, my goalie coach for 10 years at my hockey school. Wow. He'd come in every year. And then when he got too old to do that, his son, Johnny Bauer Jr., took over. And, uh, you know, I remember meeting Johnny Bauer at Weston Arena uh, when I was going to a hockey school when I was 12 years old. And there was not a better person. And George Armstrong was my coach in junior, and he used to room with Johnny. And they would he would tell us stories about how he kidded Johnny, who was the most honest guy you ever want to meet. And everything was, he was, when I say simple, not simple minded, but I mean, he was just the perfect Mr. Cleaver. Like, I mean, <laughs> he, was, he was perfect and he would make so much fun of him all the time because he was so believable. But man, when he came on without that mask and joined the Leafs when he did from the Rochester Americans um, and he played there for 12 years and I think he won four, five cups. I'm not sure um, was, was the greatest nicest man i ever met so he has to be my number one who's yours he's phenomenal um by the way only five to ten percent of our audience will catch the leave it to beaver reference right there oh, so. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that but you know what i'm talking about i know what right? you're talking about so okay. yeah mr uh hugh beaumont as mr yes, 100 percent um, I uh, interviewed Johnny at Gretzky's restaurant in Toronto 10 years ago about for television. I'm going to try to find the picture and I'll put it up over this conversation if I can. I think it's me, Joe Newendike, and Johnny Bauer to interview at Gretzky's. Unbelievable, courteous, wonderful man, uh, Johnny Bauer. So all the stories were true that it was just remarkable. One now, quick story. Well, before you go, you no. know, Johnny Bauer, if you ever looked at him, his hands were a mess. Like, I mean, his hands were just all meshed together because the gloves back in those days were horrible. And he would, and his biggest thing about him is he hated pucks in his net. I don't know if you knew this. So in practice, if you scored on him, he would get a puck out of there as fast as he could. He didn't want any pucks in his net. So that's where George Armstrong would come in and always sneak pucks behind him <laughs> while he was looking at somebody else just to tick him off. Right. So it was pretty good. Anyway, sorry. All right. Now he's not my he's not my number one, but he, I bring him up because he's a complete opposite personality wise. But for me, in a way, maybe the greatest goaltender of all times. He was Hashik before Hashik. He was fearless. Probably helped that he was drunk. But uh, Sawchuk Terry Sawchuk was. You may have seen him play. He was before my time in terms of seeing him in person. But man, when I've seen video, read about him, and stories like. I know era to era things are different, but for the, the guy was a maniac and he was just a, he was stone cold, unbelievable. When you, um, well, it was him and Bauer, wasn't it there for a long time in Toronto too? But I mean, he's, he made his fame in Detroit. Right. Yeah. And, um, and if you talk to people, to the old timers, a lot of them will say Terry Sawchuk was the best goalie ever, ever. Right. And, um, uh, and, like when him and, and Johnny were in Toronto, they were both in their late thirties and, uh, and playing incredible goal. But so I could see how that would be your number one. My son, who's 
almost a hockey historian would tell you a lot of, of stats about Terry Sacha because he was a goalie and I think Terry was his favorite, but uh, uh, I've heard so many stories about him being the greatest goalie of all time. Yeah. Imagine those guys wearing today's gear. Oh. Um, it'd be crazy. Uh, okay. So imagine, imagine the courage of those goalies with no masks, bad equipment, <laughs> And yeah. the puck still weighed the same. The puck has not changed. Right. It's still the same puck. Even though they don't shoot it as hard, if you've ever had a little, just a wrist shot hit you in the knee when you're out there, it kills. kills. So I can't imagine it. Hey, Bobby Hall was ripping slappers at these guys. Um, Good point. Uh, honorable mention, I hate to say it, because he's treated both of us uh, to some degree like dog manure over the last 16 months but jimmy rutherford i loved him as a kid he was my favorite player on the wings who stunk he was number one he had a phenomenal mask and i liked his name and he was very likable goaltender at the time but eddie jockman um all-time rangers great came to detroit i never forget i was actually crying watching this as a young teenager uh november 2nd of 1975 he gets traded to detroit from new york wings suck he uh, comes back to the garden, I think, four nights after being traded his first game. And the crowd is chanting Eddie, 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 booing the Rangers when they score and cheering for the Red Wings at Madison Square Garden because Eddie Jockman was in net and Detroit won the hockey game six to four. Well, it was a, um, a famous chant, you know, and the Rangers not only did it that night, but I mean, when Eddie was in the net. Yeah. I mean, they did it all the time. And uh, uh, there's so many great older goaltenders that we can we could Go talk through. about in this in this session. Eddie Jockman was I mean, I I'll bet you you take Lundquist away because he's uh, um, he's recent. Uh, you know, you talk to Ranger people and they'll say Eddie Jockman was the best Ranger goalie of all time, too. So uh, yeah. right there, I mean. But Glenn Hall was another one we haven't talked about. And yeah. uh, I mean, there's no sense talking about Jimmy Rutherford because he's not even in anywhere near this class. I mean, I think his his goals against average in his history was either upper threes or or, or upper four. threes. I think it's yeah. your first so, I mean, your first NHL goal. Yeah. Was, was yeah. He was uh he's a small guy, so it was easy to go over top. Uh, him and he played on many teams, but uh, just the timing uh, with it was the timing with him because of where I lived and his mask. And yeah, but, oh, I get but, it. Yeah, and you know, I used to watch him when I was growing up, he's a little older than me because he played for the Hamilton Red Wings and they were on every Thursday night on TV in Ontario. So you got to see him uh, play, even though if you ask him when he got drafted, he said he was going to be he was drafted by the Montreal Junior Canadiens, uh, but he only played for them as a pickup yeah. from the memorial cup and he never played a game so i mean i find that typical of his behavior <laughs> by the way eddie jockman first nhl person i ever interviewed i was a high school radio station he came into the studio and uh eddie jockman gracious on a wednesday night uh outside of detroit doing an interview first first guy ever and what bugged me about him and no offense to him but his eyes and maybe this is what helped him make uh a great goaltender or whatever, but he had those, he had big eyes like coming out of his sockets. And it was, well, wouldn't you think you need big eyes to see everything? If you were a goaltender <laughs> better than being the other thing and being blind. Right. Yeah. 
I guess so. We could have taken pick number 30s. Maybe we'll save it because we went about that long today, which is fantastic. But uh, we went we went with the opposite direction with number ones in net and some dandies, I must say. Uh, we'll get you out of here, uh, Gabby. Great stuff this week. And um, we'll be talking to you in the not so distant future. Uh, Simmer and Gabby or Gabby and Simmer, Rob Simpson and Bruce Boudreau, VancouverHockeyInsider.com, SeattleHockeyInsider.com. Always a pleasure, Gab, and uh, nothing but happiness, healthiness, and uh, prosperity for you in 2024. I appreciate that. And let's spread the word, because this is a pretty good podcast. Good talking to you. Good talking to you. And same to you, by the way. (laughs) 